first of all. Uh, I, ho I hope you all brought uh, your pillars with you. If not, it's your fault. Um, because I already have the impression that it will be very boring for you. Um, well, you are quite familiar now with, uh, with the lectures of uh, Sheikh Abdul Hakim. Um, I can release you. Uh, you can just chill, lay down. Uh, I, I only need your standby. There is, uh, uh, there is not uh, more in need in that sense. Um, and I, from the very beginning, apologize for my really poor English and my really bad pronunciation. Um, but I can guarantee concerning German standards, uh, my pronunciation is outstanding. <laughs> so, um, I don't know if I'm good or the German are very bad, but Henning can, I hope, uh, confirm, confirm it. Uh, my pronunciation is still good under German circumstances. Uh, because of this lack uh, in language, because of my poor language, I, of course, wrote down every single sentence. Uh, I, or I wrote even down, uh, don't forget uh, to thank the organizers here uh, for inviting me. I really feel honored. Um, and we have, I, I, I, I even more feel honored uh, being introduced by Sheikh Abdel Hakim. Thank you very much for your kind words. Um, and I welcome you. And I hope you enjoy it, even though it will be a bit dry. Bismillah. So I don't know if you are aware of the strange discussion in Germany whether Islam is a part of Germany as claimed by the former German president Christian Wolff. By the way, not less German intellectuals assume that this phrase became his fate. Whether this seems to be a conspiracy theory, it is an unfortunate fact that quite promptly after his statements that Islam is meanwhile a part of Germany, the great majority of the German media who has supported him to date started an unprecedented smear campaign against him, accusing him of corruption during his time as a prime minister in Hessen, a region in Germany. He resigned as the president of the German state after the prosecution in Hannover started investigations against him. Only a few weeks ago from now on, he was acquitted of all charges against him. By the way, his successor, Joachim Gauck, received a lot of media acclaim when he, at the very beginning of his presidency, distanced himself from the so-called Wolf sentence. I would rather say, he claimed, that Muslims in Germany are part of Germany, which means Islam is not. Well, to be honest, this sounds like the trees in Germany belong to Germany, but not the wood. Anyway, despite of this really strange discussion and the alarming influence of the media in this century, it is simply a fact that not only Muslims are meanwhile a part of Germany, but also their religion. And to go beyond that, Islam is not only meanwhile a part of Germany, but since centuries. The love story, or hate story, depending on particular perspectives between Islam and Germany, began with Prussia, 
Preußen. Although there are evidences for diplomatic contacts with gift exchange between Charlemagne, Karl der Große, and the famous Abbasid Khalif in Baghdad, Harun al-Rashid, in 797 or 801. Nevertheless, real bilateral relations between Germany and the Muslims were cared at the earliest in 1731. In this year, the Prussian king Friedrich Wilhelm I recruited 20 Turkish soldiers for his guards and considered it appropriate that they received their own prayer room, which was built in Potsdam in 1732. At the same time, he ordered by decree that they should hold their day of rest not on Friday, as he saw dictated by Islam, but on Sunday. Under his successor, Frederick, Frederick the Great, Friedrich der Große, the number of Muslim Prussian soldiers increased to thousand. Among them, Tatars, Bosnians, and my forefathers, Albanians. So that even a prayer leader, Imam, was appointed for them. Also, the oldest Muslim cemetery in Germany, nearly, near, near Berlin, goes back to the second half of the 18th century. The history of Islam in Germany and German views of the religion, at least at that time, were strongly influenced by German poets and thinkers during the Enlightenment. One of the key figures of the, of the day was Gotthold Ephraim Lessing, who lived from 1729 to 1781 and was one of the most important German poets of the period. His famous Ring Parable for example, leaves open the question of whether Christianity, Judaism or Islam possesses the solid truth. The solid, the soul truth. The philosopher Georg Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel, the leading advocate of German idealism, was not less fascinated in Islam and characterized it as the religion of grandeur. But on the top of the Islam supporters during the Enlightenment is Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, who had an outstanding closeness to Islam, which he expressed in his East-West Divan, a collection of works published in 1819, strongly influenced by Sufi and other Muslim poetry. Thanks to his high regard on Islam, or for Islam, some Muslims nowadays even declared him a Muslim. Not by decree, but by fatwa. Really, this is not a joke. Because of his outstanding love for the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, they named him brother Johann Wolfgang Muhammad von Goethe. Even though Goethe noticed in his East-West Divan the cryptic sentence that the poet does not reject the suspicion that he himself became a Muslim. His true belief, of course, will be judged by God. Well, I think this is another well-intentioned attempt by some Muslims to high-value Islam through famous personalities or celebrities. And often this, in my opinion, happens out of a lack of confidence. Islam is high valued through his substance and is not in need of any personality. I would rather say celebrities today are very much in need of Islam. Anyway, 
back to our history, the show was stolen by the traveler, by, by the travel emperor Kaiser Wilhelm II, with his efforts to assert himself as a protector of the Islamic world against the British, French, and Russian imperialists. In 1889, only one year after receiving the throne, Kaiser Wilhelm II traveled to Istanbul. Nine years later, he traveled to Jerusalem and Damascus, both of which belonged to the Ottoman Empire. In Damascus, the Kaiser visited the grave of, the, of Salah al-Din, who recaptured Jerusalem from the Crusaders in 1187. In his speech, delivered on November 1898, the German monarch declared, May His Majesty, the Sultan, and the 300 million Muslims who live scattered across the globe rest assured that the German Kaiser will be their friend at all times. Thereafter, the local religious leader retaliated in the name of the world of Islam. May Allah's blessing be on the Kaiser, the German Empire, and all Germans. A true love story so far, I would say. During the First World War, the Germans and the Turks were allies. The 15,000 Muslim prisoners of war from Russia, North Africa and Senegal were held in two camps in Sossen and in Wünsdorf near Berlin, where a beautiful mosque was built for them in 1915, which was destroyed after the camp was closed. The first real Muslim, German Muslim community appeared in 1922 in Berlin where for example Muhammad Assad converted to Islam. When Hitler came into power in 1933 the number of Muslims in the country had risen to over thousands. Most of them were students, refugees and former prisoners of war. Those who escaped from French and English colonies saw the Nazis as allies, as allies in the struggle against the colonial powers. Prisoners of war and deserters from the Soviet Red Army, including many multi-ethnic Muslims, signed up to fight as members of the Eastern Legions of the Third Reich in the hope that their home countries could break away from Moscow. As a result, the Germanic Waffen-SS evolved into a multinational force that even included Bosnians. After Germany was heavily damaged during the Second World War, guest workers were recruited to West Germany to help rebuild the country. Recruitment agreements were signed with Muslim-majority states, like or such as Turkey in 1961, Morocco 1963, Tunisia 1965 and Yugoslavia 1968. Multi-ethnical Muslims were brought, were brought in as workers. Contrary to the hope of many politicians and the assumptions of many Muslim workers, most of the Muslims not only remained in Germany but brought their families. From the mid-70s until today, the so-called labor migrants were joined by Muslims who have come to Germany as refugees and asylum seekers, mainly from Turkey, Lebanon, 
Iran, Afghanistan, Bosnia, Kosovo and Iraq. Qualitatively and quantitatively, these decades outclass every other encounter between Islam and Germany in their common history. Within decades, Islam became a visible, visible part of the German society. Mosques were built nearly in every German city. Approximately over 4 million Muslims live in Germany today. This is over 5% of the German population. Half of them possess the German citizenship. The number of ethnic German, of the number of ethnic German Muslim and converts is increasing rapidly. According to the German Statistical Office, 9.1% of all newborns in Germany had Muslim parents. And this was in 2005. Migrants of Turkish origin constitute the largest group of Muslims in Germany. By far, altogether around 2.5 million Muslims of Turkish background live in Germany. They outstrip by a clear distance Muslims from Southeast Europe and Muslims from the Near East. Other regions of origin are South or Southeast Asia, North Africa, Iran, Central Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa. The composition of Muslims is therefore very heterogeneous. Heterogene. The proportion of Muslims of Turkish origin is nevertheless predominant in this group. What about Muslim communities? The Islamic community landscape in Germany is shown as being very diverse in regard to the different school of thought, affiliations or non-affiliations with associations, and the countries of origin of the worshippers. Accordingly, the Imams active also form a heterogeneous group. There is a predominance of Turkish communities and accordingly most Imams have a Turkish migration background. Approximately only every fifth Imam originates from a country other than Turkey. In addition, many predominantly Turkish communities are attended by believers from other countries of origin. Unfortunately, the language used in these communities is mostly Turkish. But the number of mosques in which, for example, the khutbah is translated into German is increasing. In Germany we have over 2,000 mosques. In at least 1,700 Islamic communities there is usually an active Imam. And there are indications that this is only the minimum number. The actual number is higher because the number of Imams in Germany varies. What about Muslim organizations? Many Muslims residing in Germany are members of religious associations. Because of the fact that there is no church membership in Islam, many Muslims who are not officially affiliated to a specific association nevertheless visit different mosques of different organizations. This causes a high rate of fluctuation or turn turnover rate and difficulties in capturing this group statistically. This is indeed a challenge for the majority of the German society which is experienced in the official membership to a congregational church. Nevertheless, 
the German constitution is open for even is open even for foreign religious structures. We will come later to this point, inshallah. The, the religious association with the highest numerical strength are Diyanet İşleri Türk İslam Birliği, DITIP, German branch of the Turkish Presidency for Religious Affairs, then Islamische Gemeinschaft Milli Görüş, close to the Saadet Partisi in Turkey, Islamische Gemeinschaft in Deutschland, organization of mostly Arab Muslims, Verband der Islamischen Kulturzentren, German branch of the conservative Suleymanji sect in Turkey. Furthermore, there are the following umbrella organizations. Zentralrat der Muslime in Deutschland, Central Council of Muslims in Germany, and Islamic Council in Germany, Islamrat in Deutschland. In 2007, the largest Muslim umbrella organization in Germany was founded, named Koordinationsrat der Muslime. They are organized in accordance with association law, but are mainly concerned with acquiring the status of a religious community in accordance to German constitutional law, or even of a corporation under public law. Affiliating to become nationwide umbrella associations is often based on the desire to establish a joint re representation of interests to government institutions. As elsewhere in Western Europe, the rapid growth of the Muslim community in Germany has led to social tensions and political controversies. One such issue concerns the wearing of the headscarf by teachers in schools and universities. The right to practice one's religion, claimed by the teachers in question, contradicts in the view of many politicians the natural stance of the state towards religion. Interestingly, the German Federal Constitutional Court, Bundesverfassungsgericht, left the question whether the headscarf of a teacher contradicts the neutral sense, stance of the state open in 2003. It determined that this question must be answered by the federal states in form of a statutory legislation because of the high value of the freedom of religion. As a result, many of the German federal states have introduced legislation banning headscarves for teachers, with an exception of Judeo-Christian religious symbols, which, as the legis legislation states, does not contradict the principle of neutral neutrality of the state. So for many constitutional lawyers, for me too, uh, this legislation is not only strange, but to be honest, silly. By the way, the struggle against those double standard legislation goes on. I think it is worth to mention here that nobody had a problem with a headscarf in public institution as long as cleaning women wore it. However, unlike in France, there are no laws against the wearing of headscarves by students. Most German federal states, or in the, 
yeah, in the most German federal states, lessons of religious education overseen by the respective religious communities are taught as an elective subject in state schools. Recently, an agreement was achieved that apart from the Catholic and Protestant and in a few schools Jewish religious education that currently exists, a comparable subject of Islamic religious edu education should be introduced. The establishment of study programs in Islamic theology at German universities is part of a modern integration policy. Over the course of five years, the Federal Ministry of Education and Research decided therefore in 2012 to invest a total of around 20 million euros in centers of Islamic theology at four universities. Münster Osnabrück, so where I am, Tübingen Frankfurt, Gießen and Nürnberg Erlangen. So Münster Osnabrück, two cities, but it is one institution. Tübingen is one institution, another one. Frankfurt Gießen, two cities, but one institution. And Nürnberg Erlangen, two cities again, but one institution. The aim is, is of course, to establish a an Islamic understanding through the universities or to, re to reflect about, the, about Islam through German universities and German standards, academic standards. Um, the first or the, the, the main aim is to, to educate or to bring up some, to bring up teachers because of the lack of teachers for Islamic, for this, for, for, for Islamic at school. Um, Osnabrück is more specialized than Münster for teaching Imams to integrate them or their thoughts uh, within German constitution, within German environment. Uh, in Münster we are, we are focused on bringing up new teachers who will teach in the future Islam at school, as an Islamic education in school. Other tensions, among, among the other tensions are for example the constructions of mosques. They are occasionally aroused, or they occasionally arouses hostile re reactions. This increasing visibility of Islam in German cities sometimes causes alienation fears, especially when the mosque looks exactly like the mosque Germans know from their holidays in Istanbul. I think it would be a sign of empathy and goodwill if the Muslims would care a mosque architecture which not only fits legally but also aesthetically in the German environment, inshallah. Furthermore, Muslims often, and especially Muslims with a Turkish background, are accused for carrying parallel societies. By the way, in Düsseldorf exists a parallel Japanese society which is very well to tolerated, but in silence. So we have to keep silence here. And I think they are not causing more or less problems than those parallel societies which are inhabited by Turkish migrants as a majority. Anyway, it is worth to mention that the German state for a very long period did not care an immigration policy. 
The immigrants were simply put together in special residential areas of the city. And now the German state tries to catch up political omissions. Only in 2005, a new immigration law came into effect that altered the legal method of immigration to Germany. The political background to the introduction of the new immigration law being that Germany for the first time ever acknowledged to be an immigration country. So, more than 50 years after the first big migration wave. Although the practical changes to the immigration procedures were relatively minor, new immigration categories like the ones for highly skilled professionals and scientists have been introduced to attract valuable professionals for the German labor market. The development within German immigration law clearly shows that immigration of skilled employees and academics is eased, while the labor market remains closed for unskilled workers. Now, my manuscript bored myself. Um, I will just try to mention one very interesting example um, my father experienced when he came uh, to Germany. Uh, I think it's getting a bit, a bit boring, uh, only reading out of my paper. Um, my father, he told me, and this is something I, I always uh, mention in conferences um, in Germany. Um, my father is very uneducated. My mother too. They, are, they have only the primary. They, they finished the primary school. Both went only four years to school, so they had to work to carry the animals in the village. And somebody called my father in the village. Yeah, Bayram. In the village, just like this. My father. Whoa! And he said, "Are you interested in earning some money?" And he said, "Yes, of course, I'm interested in earning some money." And he said, "Let us go to Germany." My father said, what the hell is Germany? <laughs> he didn't know what Germany is. And he explained to him, Germany is big states, rich. They bombed some places there and we have to build those cities again. And he said, well, of course I will come. What are the conditions? And when they went to the municipality, right? The right word. When they went to the municipality, they had to fulfill three conditions. The first condition was they have to be healthy. The second, they have to be strong. And the third condition was they have to be uneducated. They were not interested in doing some school in Germany and causing some educational problems there. They only need some workers who can carry big stones. My father said, well, I'm not quite sure concerning the first two uh, conditions. But the third one I'm, I can guarantee. So he fulfilled the conditions, the three conditions, main conditions, very well. And this was uh, the, the point when my father came to Germany. And to blame them nowadays, to blame them of uh, uh, being not integrated or I don't know what, uh, it's quite strange. And by the way, my parents both uneducated, and I mention this not because of myself, I mention it because I want to honor them. Uh, we are five children, I'm the youngest. Uh, my brother is five years older than me, I have three sisters in between. We all have studied success successfully. My, my brother, oldest brother is cardiology, 
uh, a chief cardiology in his hospital. My sister is a chief gynecology in her hospital. My other sister is a teacher in history, English and Islam. And the youngest sister of me is a specialist on economy. And I'm the lawyer in the family. So both parents without education, this is the result. I think uh, it's amazing. Well, <coughs> Islam in the German media. I will stick again to my writings because uh, my, my words are already empty. More and more media reports convey a negative image of Islam and Muslims. This does not refer to the tabloid media only, or alone. A study by the University of Erlangen or Erfurt in 2007 stated that even in the case of programs about Islam in state television channels, over 80% of them have a negative focus by portraying, for instance, problems of integration, human rights violations, or international conflicts at the same time. This combination shows Islam in a very bad light. The problem is often the narrow choice of subjects, as clearly seen in the imagery used by the media. The same five or six themes were usually shown in connection with Islam, such as veiled women, the Kaaba, or self-flagellating Iranian Shiites. It's rather like always illustrating reports about the Europeans with pictures of the bullfighting in Pamplona, recounts Kai Hafez, the co-author co of the study. I remembered another, as I think, interesting story concerning those parallel societies. Forgive me for switching uh, in the middle. Um, I have a good friend of mine in Germany, he studied uh, economy there, a Turkish, Turkish friend, he's married and they have a child and he was searching for an apartment and when he called the association which deals with the apartments he said well good afternoon my name is Mustafa Öztürk and uh, my wife and I we are searching for apartments we have a child and maybe four rooms is, is there something available for us the woman said, I'm so sorry, Mr. Otsturk. Here's nothing for you. Uh, everything is, is already full. And he said, okay, thank you, no problem. Half an hour later, the same Mustafa Öztürk, he called again. But he said, good afternoon, my name is Frank Müller. I'm searching for an apartment with four rooms. I have a wife and my child. And the same person said, as a, the counterpart, said, of course we have six apartments available for you. Whenever you like, just come and have a look. And then she, she said, what says Knoblauch of English? Garlic. Garlic? It doesn't even smell like garlic here. So she meant he is no Turk uh, in this place where we live. So. Uh, this is quite strange to speak about parallel societies and having uh, experiences like that. Anyway, so-called Islam critic. Also Islamophobia, criticism of Islam and even violence against Muslims and mosques is unfortunately increasing. The so-called Islam critic 
turned out to be a very lucrative business in Germany. Unfortunately, Islamophobic books are amongst the best sellers in Germany. Like the recent book titled The Islamic Fascism. Fascismus is fascism, no? By the German Egyptian author Hamed Abdesamet. He even studied in Al Azhar in Qahir, as he's claiming. I don't know, I'm not sure, but. Where he accuses Islam being fascists, fascists per se. Polarizer and critics of Islam like him even often proclaim to be Muslims to appear as trustworthy witnesses coming from within. So this is their key for success most, for most of them. But currently, the most successful Islamophobic writer in Germany is Thilo Sarrazin. His book, for example, Deutschland schafft sich ab, Germany is doing away with itself, is being sold 1.5 million times and belongs to one of the most sold books since the founding of the Federal Republic of Germany. Very strange. He's claiming there, now it's, now it's, it will be interesting I think, he's claiming there that Germany's immigrant Muslim population is reluctant to integrate and tends to rely more on social services than to be productive. Moreover, he calculates that their population growth may well overwhelm the German population within a couple of generations at the current rate. And that their intelligence that their intelligence is genetically lower as well. So we Muslims in general, a bit lower by genetical reasons uh, concerning our intellect. Um, some surveys, unfortunately, had shown that, a, that, that a, large, a large part of the German population agreed with this thesis. But I think it is worth it to mention here that fortunately the critic on Saracen and on Islam critic in general is increasing too in Germany. So there are, there are good things going on in this concern. In 2006 the German Islam conference was founded by the then Minister of the Interior Wolfgang Schäuble as a dialogue, dialogue between the German state and the Muslims in Germany. One specific aim of the German Islam conference is to improve dialogue between the state and Muslims, thereby making a contribution to the social integration of Muslims and their religious law and to show to social cohesion in Germany and to counteract radicalism, for example, social discrimination, polarization and segregation. After his successors were accused by Muslims for misusing the Islam conference for security policy objectives, the coalition agreement for the current legislative period has agreed to continue the German Islam conference. It is considered to be the most important forum between the German state and Muslims living in Germany. And I agree. The current German Minister for in Internal Affairs, Dr. Demisier, announced the continuation and extension of the German Islam conference as it promotes harmonization between German state and Muslims. 
Now we come to Muslims and German law. So, what's about Sharia in Germany? Can Muslims in Germany apply Sharia? This is another question which causes uh, headaches, at least for some in Germany, some, some politicians, or right-wing politicians, some conservatives too. So, from an academic point of view, the following is to be noted with regard to German law. Every legal system, including the German one, decides alone whether and to what extent foreign rules can be applied in its territory, says Matthias Rohr. Even though there is no legal multiculturalism in the German law system, German law acknowledges the need for foreign rules to be applied in specific areas, or in specific cases. But it is important first to define the word Sharia, what is meant for the word Sharia. As the term is used in very different ways, there is a great danger of misunderstandings. In the broader sense of the word, Sharia denotes all religious and legal rules of Islam, as well as the instruments of its discovery and interpretation. This includes, for example, guidelines on ritual prayers, fasting and pilgrimage, pilgrimage but also on contract law, family and inheritance law, and criminal law. Sharia codes may be practiced in areas where German law itself provides for such. From the perspective of the legal system, it is simply a matter of applying its own laws. A basic distinction must be made between religious rules, prayer fasting, for example, al ibadat and legal rules, contract law, family law, criminal law, etc., mu'amalat. Religious rules enjoy the not unlimited protection of religious freedom guaranteed under constitutional law, like adherence to other religions and ideologies in Germany. Therefore, Muslims may build a suitable infrastructure, mosques, for example, to a certain extent, religious freedom also has an impact on relations under private law, for example on employment law. Here too, adequate attention must be paid to the religious needs of Muslims whilst balancing the interests of business and individual requirements concerning prayer times, for example. Legal rules in Germany for in Germany, legal rules can only be applied in cases that are closely defined by the law. Public law, inclusive of criminal law, is excluded as far as possible. Application is therefore limited to the areas of international private law, dispositive German sub substantive law, and social law. I will not go into the details, since, since time is running. I will come immediately to Muslims and the German constitutional law now. And I will end up with this, inshallah. Muslims, according to the freedom of religion, as stated in the German constitutional law, are allowed to live a life based on their religious belief, as long as the rights of others are respected. This includes collective activities. The German system of state support for independent religious institutions 
assists all religions equally in principle, but has been unable to include some minority faiths. The government has granted the country's major religious communities public law cooperation status. The benefits of which include the ability to collect contributions in accordance with rules similar to tax laws, the privilege to build houses of worship, and the right to offer denominational religious education in state schools. And this is the reason why they try now to build up some uh, Islamic theology centers in the universities, because they want to establish an Islamic education in schools like it, all the, like it is already for Catholics, Protestants and Jews, for example. Public law corporation also receive funds through the church tax system, where individuals pay between 8 and 9% of their income tax to an officially recognized denomination of which they are a registered member. Traditions that lack a centrally organized national structure, most notably Islam, have had difficulty attaining public law cooperation status and its benefits. The attempts of the Muslim majority organizations to get this status often failed. The main argument which is used to refuse the application is the failure of the Muslim community to establish a representative body which includes all Muslims, despite the fact that there is no church which represents all Christians in Germany, but many churches, and each of them is recognized as a public religious community, there is no explicitly mentioned condition in the German constitutional law of having only one representative body. So this is more a matter of interpretation and somehow of political will. But nevertheless, it is self-evident that the state needs reliable, good organized counterparts to negotiate with. And the Muslims have still to do some work. The Ahmadiyya, for example, and the Alevites, Alevites, Alevites, and the Alevites are already recognized as public religious communities in Germany. They are simply good organized. So last and last but not least, Last but not least, I was not sure if it is uh, common in English to say it. Uh, I will, I will try to say something about the, the claimed contradiction between Sharia and Constitution, German Constitution. Right-wing politicians and many conservatives repeatedly requires Muslims to confess to the German constitutional law instead of confessing to the Sharia. So they put here just a juxtaposition between Sharia and German constitutional law. This happens quite often that uh, they claim Muslims have to confess to the German constitution but they, they do somehow the taqiyya, they do confess to the Sharia in that sense and not to the constitutional law. So let me just say something about this and then end up with this, inshallah. Despite the fact that the Sharia is not a national state constitutional law or national state constitution in general, the German constitution 
demands only effectual obedience. It does not claim to be a spiritual guidance, an absolute, an absolute guidance. It is a contract with specific values and it does only claim factual obedience. But I think Muslims can contribute more than only factual obedience. I think they are able even to develop a moral affinity to some constitutional, constitutional values in Germany. And if they try to help to revive those values, constitutional values, within their moral system, uh, I think this would be a good contribution in future, inshallah. So, thank you for your attendance. And uh, I think I will end up with this. Um, thank you again to the organizers here. Uh, I hope you just take something with you, inshallah. Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum.